Hey, this is Nick. Uh, just a quick little heads up for you, the listener, that um, this con- this episode that we have done with with Lena and Michael from Parallel Palestina, a German language podcast covering uh, Palestine. Um, just that with the ongoing current events that we recorded this episode on the 28th, so Saturday, October 28th, um, meaning that then if anything has happened between the episode being released and us recording it, that uh, just to contextualize the conversation that then this was recorded on Saturday. So um, enjoy our conversation that we have had with Lena and Michael. They were two very lovely guests. And uh, it was very nice to have a sobering conversation about the situation in Israel and Gaza, particularly, and uh, the situation of how a country like Germany has been dealing with a um, with, you know, voices trying to hold Israel accountable for their actions in Gaza. So um, please check their podcast out. Uh, follow them on social media and such. Uh, I, you know, all the links will be down in the description. And without further ado, here's our conversation that we recorded uh, with Lena and Michael. Enjoy. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Cornish Beatty. It is Nick and Yulia here today. Hello. Joined with Lena and Michael from Hi. Uh, the uh, podcast pa- Palestine Parallel, pa- Parallel Pal- Palestina. <laughs> yes, because it's in German. Yeah. Um, hi guys, thank you for uh, for for getting for for joining with us. I guess so spontaneously. I guess also thank you to Kieran for organizing this spontaneously. Yeah. He couldn't join us because he's a little bit under the weather. He's here in spirit. But <laughs> welcome. Hey. Hi. Thanks for having us. So um, I guess first and foremost, like I just like tell the audience a little bit about yourselves uh, because your podcast is in German. So our listeners may not be um, familiar with it if they don't speak German, which a lot of our listeners um, don't because I guess it's a Europe wide kind of thing that, 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 that we do. So um, yeah. Tell us about yourselves. Tell us about your, your podcast and, and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, I would have to say that if there was one reason to learn German, it's for the podcast. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think if we don't win a Pulitzer Prize at one point, um, I would be very surprised. Um, <laughs> excuse me, I've been up all night with the news from God. Oh, good. Um, yes, of course. So, yeah, right. So, Michael and me, we started Parallel Palestina, which basically main, means parallel world Palestine, because we think or very much believe that how the news on Palestine and Israel is being portrayed in the German media, but also by the political establishment is sort of like a parallel world um, rather than reflecting the reality on the ground. And so we started it. And I think what's nice about the team that we have is that Michael, and I'm sure he's going to talk about it himself, is more from an activist kind of background like anti-Sinus activism, whereas I am fully white German um, who's done her sort of academic and professional career on the Middle East and Israel-Palestine. So I'm currently a PhD candidate at the University of Exeter in Palestine Studies, and I've previously taught about uh, the Middle East and worked on the Gulf states, uh, was at the ICC, ETC. So I come from this sort of angle 
And I'm a Jewish Israeli. I grew up in, in Jerusalem, um, but I've spent most of my adult life at this point in Germany, um, having moved here and back and back again. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just finished a MA in philosophy, but like that was kind of more like a en enrichment thing uh, for my main thing, which is writing and political organizing. Um, and I just, just this week moved, or last week technically moved uh, from Leipzig to Berlin. Well, welcome not only to the podcast, but welcome to the great city of Berlin, baby, greatest <laughs> city in the world. Nice to um, be here. Yeah, it's 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 a shame that then that we couldn't have had you in the. I mean, we don't have a studio yet at the moment either, no, so it's uh, yeah. Next thank bedroom. you guys for also then being able to join us uh, yeah. uh, remotely. It's That's a smart move right now to move from Leipzig to Berlin, <laughs> considering. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, re I'm relieved to be out of there. I think I will have more more to say on that soon. <laughs> yeah, we talk. We come back to that later, definitely. Yeah, but, yeah. So, um, I guess, like first and foremost, of where to start is, um, I guess, before even starting anything, the three of you are all from Germany or have spent more time in Germany than I have. Um, and so, for myself, of of as we mentioned off mic. My um, like my entire perspective of of kind of seeing the um, like last maybe I don't know what eight to ten years of the Israeli Palestinian conflict has been in Germany, but previously grown up in an environment of the United States where it is very you know um, Zionist and very you know very pro-Israel and that the United States stands with Israel no matter what, but the internal discussions. That then that I would see around me growing up were always a little bit more like um, vibrant, you can say, in the sense that it was like there was a, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, activism amongst, um, you know, anti-Zionist groups, you know, a, a Palestinian activism, this and that and that. And they were like allowed to kind of have their space. There was very few occasions where they were, you know, banned in, in, in certain regards. So it was kind of like even in the sense of like, like media dominated the overall discussion of like, okay, the United States is on the side of Israel. There was at least a discussion happening um, in the general public that I, I was astonished when I moved to Germany is absolutely not the case. Um, or maybe not that it's not the case, but it's very much repressed at this level too. And um, the thing that I guess, you know, before getting into that discussion, I guess it's just the, 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 the first and foremost that the, that I'm coming from a much different perspective, I guess, in all this. And it's like, it's, it's genuinely shocking to me. It's genuinely a, a, a very uncomfortable environment to be in, in the last almost, yeah, it's now three weeks today. Um, so I guess starting with, um, the events of October 7th, how has, um, I, I, I guess we can give a little overview then of, of what happened, Yeah, I'll, I'll maybe I'll just like round out the picture because uh, I think it's important to to keep in mind this was like a very a very like large offensive that affected a, a large area. It wasn't a, a kibbutz; it was multiple kibbutzim and and small communities around the Gaza Strip, um, and larger communities, um, and also a, a series of military bases that were taken over. Um, and there were you know multiple massacres of civilians, uh, also at. Uh, I think two raves um, near yeah. the yeah. the um, fence around the Gaza Strip. 
Um, yeah, but it is like I think we probably could spend an hour just just talking through yeah. the mm. dry details of what happened that day because it was there was a lot of different phases and different parts to this. And it wasn't just Israelis who who got uh, yeah. killed. So it was also Thai yeah. migrant workers. We had uh, Palestinian Bedouin communities. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Nepalese workers. Um, so so we should also mention their fate. So from then these these events that then unfold and thank you guys for for, um, you know, broadening the story, because I um, I uh, I did not know the entire extent of the initial events because it is so um, hard to, of course, navigate the uh, the the news and all this. So thank you for that. And um, but. Germany then immediately after this has um, an initial reaction that then is quite, um, I would say, uh, aggressive. I mean, first of all, I mean, it is understandable that um, the world would express their grief with the Israelis that died, with people that got kidnapped. Not only Israelis that died, as you said, there were also a bunch of other nationalities um, there. And it was, of course, uh, important, you know, to show... So um, that people were standing by. Yeah, and I think it does have to be said. Like this is this is uh, an unprecedented event in, yeah. in a few different ways. I think it's the first major military defeat Israel has suffered to the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the biggest uh, single day killing of Jews since the Holocaust. Yeah, and there's, so there's a lot of things about this which were really like uh, unprecedented and kind of upended the way people think about these things um and it, it was just like horrifying and, and shocking um you know the, the especially the indiscriminate killing of uh, of of non-combatants like uh, i think that's that's definitely but the, the thing is and i think we're gonna get more into this is that there was not a, a single moment of just pure grief over this because yeah. it's always the case in israel and this is like how we are raised that grief is always in the context of military power and like uh, asserting dominance and control uh, as a means of safety so there was there was no space in between to just grieve it was immediately like we have to both retake the um the territory that was temporarily occupied by palestinian forces and we're gonna we're gonna get back at them for this yeah, so there was an immediate move for um, mobilization and retaliation, basically yeah. against Gaza and against Gaza's, uh, Gaza, uh, Gaza's civilians. Yeah. Especially. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the thing that then is, um, I mean, of course, then the perspective of the Western, you know, most Western states in the, the EU and the United States has been, of course, then on the side of standing on Israel, which this is, of course, no surprise whatsoever. I mean, that, yeah, that yeah. the U.S. Is, yeah, is, yeah, is Israel's and, biggest And protector. as mentioned, yeah, as, as, as mentioned in the sense that then that did, like, when protests did break out in the sense of, um, you know, in, in um, you know, in, in grievance of the air, like, as, as well, the, the airstrikes that then Israel start, you know, started in this, in this military retaliation, um, there has been a, a rather unfortunate reaction from the German state, and not not un, unexpected, I guess, reaction too. But how is this then um, affected then to the sense of not only just the sense of, um, say, uh, Palestinians in Germany, but then uh, other voices amongst these people who are then trying to you uh, 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 find a place to 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 express 
their 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 grief and as well their their frustration with the worsening of the situation predominantly i mean you guys being uh, uh um a uh, uh describing yourselves as like as you know doing um work with you know other anti-zionist uh, activists and stuff like that how has this been for the overall um a uh, 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 protest against then this settler colonial project that then is happening within Germany? I think with Germany, what you always need to keep in mind is several things. A, Germany has made it its reason of state. So, raison d'être staatsraison um, is the security of Israel. So, the safeguarding of the Jewish people as in the safeguarding, so it equalizes it with the safeguarding and security of Israel as a Jewish state. So, this has always been conflated. And as soon as there was an attack on Jewish life within Israel, i.e. also the Israeli state, that was obviously going against the very essence of what Germany describes as a Staatsraison. So there was an immediate mobilization. Um, there was an immediate condemnation, which is all very fine in any other context. But when it comes to Germany, what happens then afterwards once it starts with the bombardment of Gaza, is that there's again a conflation that is happening that is super wrong. And it's the conflation between Hamas being sort of, all of Gaza is Hamas. It's also something that's been very much propagated by the Israeli state for, for a long time. Um, but also what you need to keep in mind with, with Germany, um, with German media and German politicians, is that a lot of them are just a bunch of idiots. Um, I wish they would have literally opened just one reasonable book in their life on Palestine or Israel. If they would just read one text, one report on it, that would actually give them very basic facts. I would already be so happy. Um, but that isn't the case. So we also have in the German government, and that's again something that's very important to mention, we do not have real experts on, let's say, some of the Middle East as a whole, but especially Israel-Palestine. The, there are a lot of career politicians in there that do not have a nuance, that weren't educated in this, that do not come from the region. And therefore, I think there's a very much a lack in foreign policy of understanding what's happening there. And then also there's a really much a censorship of support for Palestinians, of support for Palestinians in Gaza, because they get, in, in the very first instance, conflated with Hamas. So the retaliatory retaliatory airstrikes and bombardments and also on top of that the full blockade the full siege on gaza so including water fuel and food that wasn't going to come in on top of all the other humanitarian needs that a population has that is under siege for 16 years illegally um that just doesn't doesn't get mentioned it's all in the context of israel's right to defend itself unconditionally we unconditionally support this without any sort of mention of humanitarian law, of human rights, of our morals. And I think this is the most, the most disgusting thing that has happened since October 7th in the German context is the absolute and full on support for genocide in Gaza unconditionally with the full, um, incitement sometimes in the media in talk shows by politicians with no voice for palestinians or by palestinians 
and 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 I think the the stupidity of German politics and the and the narrowing of like who gets to speak and what gets to be said like I think I think there actually are people in the political establishment who are well well informed about this but they can't you know they they're, they're not able to express that I think this is all this is all a structural thing where Germany as a as a state um has and and you know the ruling classes in Germany have a very pressing need to distinguish themselves from the country's Nazi history. And that's like a key thing in Germany's place in the world. And, you know, there, there are ways that this could be done, which I think would be progressive, uh, but they would be progressive to the detriment of the ruling classes in Germany and the arrangements of, um, of property. Um, so, you know, what I'm talking about, like, you know, left-wing uh, uh, anti-fascism and, um, you know, all, the, all that nice stuff. But what Germany can do to distance itself from its, uh, from its history, um, which does not threaten those things very much, is to pin it all on this unconditional support of the state of Israel and presenting the state of Israel as the solution to um, Jewish security. And I think a a key thing that happened on October 7th is that the illusion and reality of, um, of the state of Israel providing, you know, stable safety for Jewish people has, has kind of gotten a serious crack in it. Like, uh, like, you know, on a subjective level from what I'm feeling from what my family and my community are feeling like we have never felt this like exposed and, and unsafe. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm very much against the state of Israel. I'm against its military, but even in, you know, among anti-Zionist circles of Israelis, we could rely on some level on our families being kept safe by this awful security arrangement. And that has been like deeply cracked. And I think that's a very embarrassing and problematic factor for, for Germany, because if, if you're banking all of your, you know, public display of pro-Jewishness and defense of Jewish life on, you know, arming the state to the teeth, and suddenly it turns out that like, actually that, doesn't help because the government is more busy trying to ethnically cleanse uh, the West Bank uh, than than actually protecting people, and they're corrupt and they're they're mismanaged. Um, you know that's embarrassing for Germany, not just for the Israeli government. It's deeply embarrassing for Germany, and I think they need to um, like the you know the, the those in touch with these national interests need are, like are feeling the need to clamp down on the discourse to prevent that from becoming the story so it's instead it's we're back to germany defender of the jews um even when what they're doing isn't necessarily going to give us security like what what the state of israel is doing now in 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 gaza beyond being like an atrocity is also just an intensification of of what israel has done in gaza again and again over the past decades leading up to october 7th um so there's some really sick kind of performative stuff going on here that um, that is not going to keep anyone safe um, in the end of the day. And I want to add to that when, when Michael said it's very embarrassing for Germany. Yes, it is. But that's not how they frame it. How they frame it is that actually because of this attack, it's even more important now to safeguard Israel. Because what Michael mentioned is that a lot of, and that was a big critique, right, is a lot of the Israeli soldiers that were supposed to safeguard the south of Israel where the attacks happened, they were in the West Bank protecting violent and radical settlers. Um, so this was a huge part of the discourse and still is within Israel 
It's also a huge part of the discourse of Netanyahu and his government not taking care of hostages and the family of the hostages. So there was, I think, until this day, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but there is until this day not one funeral has happened of somebody, for example, killed um, by Hamas during during October 7th that was visited by an official, um, like by a politician that is currently part of the government of Israel. Um, so this was a huge part of the critique. A huge part of the critique is also how the hostages, how the families were treated. There was nobody taking care of them. There was no coordination. But this is not really part of the discussion within Germany. It's sort of like sidelined because that would that's a bit too complex now, right? There's all of a sudden these factors coming in that don't really fit the narrative. So within Germany, I actually don't read about these things that are actually very important to the discussion of why the fuck are you carpet bombing an entire Gaza Strip with all your hostages inside and you want to frame it as in safeguarding Jewish life or Israeli lives? That's absolutely bonkers. Like, I want to put it apart from the, the Palestinian lives here, but just coming from this idea of safeguarding Jewish lives. Absolutely. Like I, I didn't. I'm, I'm not sure about the funeral thing. I haven't heard that. But I think what what has really been like shocking to a lot of Israelis um, and and to me is, you know, like it see in the past the state of Israel has always has always you know made a, a real effort to protect um, Israeli non combatants from from all this stuff and like at the cost of many many Palestinian lives um, and now. It seems, first of all, like you said, there's there's been very little interest in the in, in protecting the hostages' lives, and there's like serious like backlash against uh, at anyone speaking up for uh, a, a, a prisoner swap um, within Israel. Um, and there's you know there's reports that many hostages have already been killed in the Israeli bombings, and their family and the families of hostages are saying, "Do not bomb Gaza. We have to we have to get our people out first, uh, no matter how many Palestinian prisoners we have to release for it." And the Israeli government has shown very like like no readiness to to negotiate for for the hostages' lives. Um, but there's also reports that on October seventh and October eighth, when when Israeli forces were retaking the area around the Strip, uh, they were extremely callous about Israeli civilian lives. They like they, I, I heard um, uh, a testimony from a survivor uh, from a kibbutz. This was going around online with translations too, um, who said that. There was Israeli tank fire on these tiny kibbutz houses with hostages inside. Like so, some of the deaths on October seventh are most likely from Israeli fire because what was prioritized was retaking territory and regaining military control and not the protection of of Israeli lives. Yeah, that's uh, exactly to the point that then I wanted to ask as well is that then, um, as as you brought up, the sense of of media in Germany is one that then is very much encompassed by a um an, an automatic acceptance of whatever the israelis does and or says which is uh for you know any any one who has been paying attention to this uh you know conflict for a, a a long while now has seen that then that the israeli government has been very good or um convincing to its allies of its uh propaganda machine that it does of you know uh, convincing that uh, uh, convincing you know its allies that then oh well you know this was you know the the you know the concept of, of human shields and the concept of that then um, oh well you know the the, the latest of the um, 
the hospital that was bombed that, oh, it was a Hamas rocket or it was like that. It's always a convenience that then it is that Israel's never actually doing anything bad uh, because it is its portrayal of Palestinians as being these monsters is something that then that Germany uh, gives into more than I would say any other country um that I've at least experienced That's this another debate thing. In. I mean, this kind of rhetoric has existed in Israel and in Israel's uh, politics for so long, and it is so ignored on an international level, this kind of rhetoric of Palestinians not being people, uh, having to wipe out basically all of Gaza, having to at least, well, making like um, getting Gaza to be Palestinian free, either by having them all to flee Gaza, to, uh, like displacing everyone, or just bombing them into, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and I mean, that rhetoric existed before. It's yeah, not like it's not a new thing, and it's not a new thing that is only a response to basically the Hamas attacks on Israeli, uh, on the, on the kibbutz, on, on mm -hmm. um, the military bases. No, yeah, and that, like, like you said, yeah, like that's, that movement has been there basically forever, um, in different forms. And, you know, it kind of, it, there were times when it was less present, but in the past decade, the 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 kind of um, neo-fascist Kahanist movement that represents that most clearly um, in Israel has kind of come into the Israeli government. Um, you know, first they first moved to the center of Israeli politics, or not to the center, but to like the mainstream of Israeli politics a few years ago during the political crisis, and now they form like a key part of the government. Um, and 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 since October seventh, we've seen that kind of view just exploding in Israel with, you know, people who were previously like on the liberal left also saying uh, there's just there's no choice. We have to we have to wipe out all of Gaza to, to wipe out Hamas. And um, and like you said, this is this is very like uncomfortable for uh, for Germany and for Germans um, because it's explicitly fascist. Like some of these people will say, yeah, I'm a fascist. Um, they'll even sometimes uh, agree to comparisons between them and, and the Nazis. Um, You know, with some differences, of course, uh, and uh, yeah, but that's that's become like a very a very key thing about how how Israelis are are looking at this whole situation, um, and and people in Germany are just like just believing the official version that that the state puts out for its like legal defense, which is like no, this is collateral damage. We're actually trying to prevent damage harm to civilians. When like at the same time, you know, the first day of the bombings. Um, the, the head of the military or the defense minister was like, we are, we have conducted like so and so many hundred bombings and we're bombing not for precision, but for damage. And it's like, there's this double speak going on in, in the open and Germany kind of chooses to believe the version that is more comfortable for it to believe. I mean, it's, it's that. And um, I mean, uh, first of all, one story from Berlin, there was a kindergarten and there was a graffiti that said Kahan is alive. Um, and the police was caught um, because of that graffiti, and the police said, "Oh, there's no reason to remove this graffiti." Basically, and it was a kindergarten with a lot of like kids, like that have like migration background or whatever. And yeah, that is one I, thing. Yeah, and it's just important to say to that, like we did, we did a special episode in German about Kahanism actually just like yeah. two months ago, um, which might be worth listening to now. But um, Kahanism started in the U.S., came to Israel, and, and Israel g gained mainly this, like, genocidal aspect against that Palestinians. But in the U.S., originally, its main thing was to just pit um, Jewish Americans against, like, their their non-white neighbors and present 
you know, people of color as the greatest threat to Jewish life. So the meaning of that in Germany should be clear that it is fully aligned with the far right. Yeah, but in German we say, uh, der Staat ist auf dem rechten Auge blind. So yeah. the, the state is blind on the right eye, right eye as in right-wing ideology. And we can clearly see that now. Um, that's not just the Kahanic graffiti, that's, that's the team of the repression everywhere. Germany planning, when it comes to Palestine, to this quasi-police state. Um, it's, it's really dire um, and it's very... It's it's these are very difficult days, I think, for anybody who has some sort of humanity in them. And yeah, and that is something that is for me is well, it's not it's not necessarily shocking, but it's I still when, for example, when when the, uh, Israel called for the evacuation of, of the north of Gaza, Gaza City, etc., in 24 hours. You had a lot of international uh, organizations coming out saying this is nuts, this is impossible, especially <clears throat> also uh, Médecins Sans Frontières uh, saying, okay, you can't like evacuate a hospital that has a lot of patients that need like, you know, that need uh, that are uh, that need intensive care, that need to, <clears throat> you have children, you can't move, etc., etc. And it's how, how, Germany and its partners and the like international like I mean the UN okay you know Guterres now coming out saying okay this is like a moment of truth we have to you know we we um, wait where did I want to go now I forgot um, that uh, Guterres yeah, but, with the with yeah, exactly. the position that then that I this think this is ignored by Germany that this yeah. is ignored by Germany this is ignored by the US this is like they are like oh see uh, Israel is always warning people to evacuate before they bomb the shit out of them. Sorry. Yeah. But um, yeah, but 24 hours asking uh, asking more than a million people to move to one side um, of this very densely populated area um, in uh, basically with no way out, with with uh, checkpoints being closed, checkpoints to Egypt uh, being closed, nothing coming in, like no way basically to get away. And then the bombing also didn't stop. It's not like, you know, there was like, oh, human um, uh, humanitarian corridor or some shit like that. And yeah, yeah it's, it's so obvious and it's so like ignored. They're just saying, oh, look, Israel warned before they bombed. Yeah, that's something that Israel like, has, has done um, in all of its assaults on Gaza in the last decade. Always like there's, I mean, on a smaller scale, this is, this is, this is like a multiplication of everything we've seen before. But, but before it was like they would send messages or distribute flyers in a neighborhood saying like, this neighborhood is harboring uh, terrorists. We're going to bomb it. Uh, if you do not want to be here when that happens, please get out. And it's often the case there's nowhere to go away to. But like, okay, there's a, there's this there's a, a, an abbreviation in Hebrew, kastach kisui tachat, covering your butt. Um, so like giving giving a kind of like pro forma cover for something that you're doing that is not okay. And I think that's what this this is. Like the people who want to believe that Israel is is being moral will will eat this up, and they're not interested in the details. And that includes much of the Israeli public and and uh, the, you know the the allies of the state of Israel um, in places like Germany. Um, but this has no legal standing, like, and this it's it's really just like a a, a kind of a, a symbolic thing that makes it makes it gives you some some way to defend indefensible actions. Um, 
But, you know, as we've seen before, people can be told that they need to run away, but if they have nowhere to run away to, that's, that's absolutely meaningless. And, and I think, I don't know, I think the general like strategic outlook of this whole assault on Gaza, like the, the version of it that tries to justify this as something that is not simply vengeance goes something like, um, Hamas has shown itself to be, you know, such a dangerous force that it absolutely must be destroyed. Um, it's, it's embedded within the civilian population and, and in like underground bunkers and tunnels. So the only way to remove Hamas is to completely empty the strip of people so that it can, so that we, we can get to the, the fighters. And that is not a legitimate strategy saying that 2 million uh, people, most of which are, are non-combatants, uh, have to be killed or displaced in order to reach uh, uh, an organization that you know that you need to to defeat. Um, that's that's not a legitimate uh, attitude towards the non-combatants. It just it just isn't. But uh, but a lot of people are are predisposed to just ignore what this means for for the lives of Palestinians and just like accept that and say like okay if that's the cost that's the cost. And people were saying this like in in Israeli like public radio in the last weeks like if we need to kill a million people for this that's the price we have to pay. And there was no pushback on this. These people were not fired for this. Like the, this is just like a part of the discourse now. Unlike uh, people in Germany, uh, Israeli leftists, like working at radio stations, being fired because they, um, they, they, or they posted something on, I don't know if it was Twitter or any kind of social media being fired as an Israeli leftist from, yeah, from an Israeli radio station in Germany because your boss doesn't want to hear anything about Hamas. Uh, Hamas, Gaza, sorry, oh my God. <laughs> but also not about Hamas. I mean, they don't have a similar idea about what Hamas uh, actually is or who Hamas actually are. So so, the, so what you just said, even though uh, you wanted to correct yourself, is very much true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're talking about Hamas in this country as if it was this homogenous movement Yeah. full of Jewish slaughtering um, um, people, that is just scientific, like scientifically, factually speaking, not correct. Of course, there's some grain of truth in it, but that's not the entire picture. And this, uh, this sort of, again, this blatant idiocy that we see in the discussion is also reflected that I haven't seen a single article or a single talk show, a single politician saying anything of substance that actually, we, where, where I feel like, well, you've actually read up on Hamas, you maybe watched one of their speeches at one point. And, and that is incredibly frustrating. And actually about this German complicity, I'm going to do some self-advertisement here as well. I, I wrote in Jacobin uh, mag about it, about um, that Germany is complicit in Israeli war crimes. And I think we could see that very much last night as well is that when I woke up this morning and I read, like, I sort of like just, just skim read the news um, on my Twitter feed in German, there was, the, the, the framing of it is absolutely horrendous. It is the most, it is so disgusting. I, I, I think a lot of people in Germany that have followed this are very much, this is our Iraq war, basically. We are at a breaking point where we feel that, We've been lied to. We have the wrong framing. We see the entire dehumanization, uh, the dehumanization of an entire people, all for the sake of your own propaganda machine. Um, and 
and that is it it for me it is like, I'm really shocked this morning. Um I, I'm I'm very emotional about this as well. Um just before I came on the podcast I saw some of the pictures coming out of Gaza now from last night, which is just a slaughterhouse basically. And the fact that you grow up in Germany with this idea of oh human rights for everybody. We're like this this arrogance of um oh, we are the good people in this and we're fighting against the baddies. It's it's the it's it's such a pile of bullshit, honestly. Yeah, it really. Uh, one thing that then I wanted to ask as well too, especially because Michael, you uh, you spent some time uh, in in well, you were in Leipzig before coming to Berlin, <laughs> is a phenomenon to me, uh, like of amount like. I know that you laughed, Julia, but this is a serious problem in this no, no, country. Of I is, know, but I know what you are going. Yes, to. the complacency <laughs> of yeah. of of some, uh, uh, or I guess not even just some, but it like like a um, um, a theme within the German left of just being, uh, uh, you know, perfectly fine with this. That it's their duty as well as in the left to have a pro-Israel. Uh, stands and yes i am partially talking about the anti-deutsch but it isn't only just like the small group of anti-deutsch it's that then that this this kind of attitude towards israel as well is also taken up quite the norm within like the liberal left of germany that in other countries there's actually like maybe not so much like you know a a one-sided take to this i would say that then um like left libs in other countries like the United States or, you know, even like the UK and whatnot have a more nuanced take to Israel. So how does this dominance also then, you know, or like this, this uh, overarching kind of stance dominated even then kind of the one spot that you were to, you would assume would have at least a little bit of criticism. Oh yeah. We don't need like an overview of like the entire anti-Deutsch. I guess it's more so in the sense too of like, of, of, of your um, experiences, I guess, within, with, with, within this, 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 this milieu as well, uh, being within, you know, the activism and backgrounds that you guys have, Mm -hmm. because this for me is one of the most like uh, complicated things that then you would assume that then leftist spaces would be like a place for criticism and a place like a safe space to discuss about this, but it's the complete opposite in Germany. It feels like a lot of the times. Yeah. And like my experience as, you know, I, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this on mic or off mic, but like I'm yeah on mic. I'm, I, I moved to Leipzig when I was 19. I moved back to Israel a few years later and I was very active on the left there. And then I came back here like from after a couple of years of very intensive activism. And I was like, I'm going to get involved here. Like I know there's some anti-Deutsch, but like I'll find I'll find a space to work in. And like my experience was actually just like extremely um uh, 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 demotivating. Like it's there's like hostility um, in in the German left uh, towards uh, Israeli leftists. Um, that is pretty shocking. And what I've seen around me is that le- leftist Israelis who come to Leipzig will mostly just stop being politically involved because it's suffocating and and like you have to deal with the, these absolutely bonkers positions of people who will be like, I'm a communist or I'm an anarchist, but then they'll start saying things that the Israeli right and far right say. Like there's no openness there to any kind of criticism of Israeli policies and no understanding that the governments of Israel have not been managing things in a way that is beneficial to to Jewish Israeli life, uh, let alone, uh, you know, humane towards anyone else. Um, and... Like, so I, I did find like a small group of, of other leftist Israelis who wanted to be involved and were mainly just outraged about how much was being talked about us and how it was being talked about us. 
uh, without really a- any space for voices of the actual Israeli left. So that's this group that I co-founded called Yid, Yiddish Israeli Show Descent, or Jewish Israeli Descent. Um, and, you know, we've been active for a few years and and been kind of trying to shake things up in Leipzig. But um, I wanted to maybe share like a couple of things that happened in Leipzig just earlier this week, because I think they're they're all very symbolic of this. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. We yeah, really I appreciate read about that. Yeah. 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 So two basically two things that happened right next to each other, like almost almost the same day. Um, so the, the night between uh, Monday and Tuesday, there was an attack on a um, on, on a migrant uh, house project um, in in Leipzig, which is incidentally um, a space which has hosted Yid in the past and hosts. It's like it's what it's one of the only like stable leftist spaces that um, is open to um, to pro-Palestine and Palestine solidarity groups, um, and hence one of the only spaces where leftist Israelis can be found. Um, and the day before that, there was an, a, 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 like a kind of call out on some anti-Deutsch website in Leipzig, um, accusing this space of uh, giving a platform to anti-Semites, by which they meant uh, Palestinian and pro-Palestinian groups. Um Mostly migrant groups, most other other than that, mostly communist groups. Um, and then that night, there was uh, um, a, a, a window broken in their like meeting space where these where these groups uh, meet, um, and a small jar of pig fat thrown in, which you know. I don't know, like, you know, that's that's just obviously Islamophobic because Muslim people are not allowed to touch uh, in any part of a pig. And it's incidentally, the same applies to Jews. Like, I don't know if any exactly. Jewish people live there yeah. now, but there have been Jewish people living in this house project in the past. And like this, I think this is legitimately also something we should call anti-Semitism, but it was done in the name of anti-anti-Semitism. And, and there was a, a, an anonymous uh, post uh, put up the, the next day and then taken down very quickly. Um, claiming responsibility for this attack on the exact same terms as that call-out post um, in the name of anti-anti-Semitism, in the name of Antifa. Now, it should be said, these are anonymous posts. I don't think it can be ruled out that some sophisticated uh, right-wingers did this in order to stir up shit. Um, But the fact that this is plausible and that this matches the rhetoric of of some people supposedly on the left and supposedly in the anti-fascist scene in Saxony, I think is just extremely troubling and makes makes me as a person who is, you know, ultimately at risk of, of anti-Semitic violence, like feel unsafe there because the people, I can't rely on the police, obviously not in Saxony. Um, and, and then I can't rely on, on anti-fascists either because like they see me as, as part of their enemy. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Now. <laughs> so much about protecting Jewish life in Germany. Like, yeah, that's something yeah. that then really kind of comes over as 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 something truly bonkers is the sense of the preservation of Jewish life as as long as it's from the only perspective that then that we want to listen to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it really exactly. is. It really is. And, I mean, when it comes to anti-Semitism in like the parties, like the CDU or AfD or Nazis running around with Nazi flags. That's totally fine, and that is freedom of speech, and that is uh, Meinungsfreiheit, etc. Uh, when it comes to showing a Palestinian flag, that 
unfortunately like now immediately is anti-semitism yeah. in the eyes of the german state yeah of it's, course yeah and and something that then i mean i've been i've been harping on this on the show for the past weeks now is that then it's so ironic in the sense of a country like germany that just recently had two elections uh in hessen and in bavaria where the uh, second and third largest parties in both elections are uh, the AFD and also that then the Freie Wähler get into government uh, uh, or had a boost in the polls when it was found out that they're, uh, you know, co- that the head or the co-head of the government in Bavaria, the head of, yeah, yeah, the head of the Freie Wähler was uh, in trouble for a little, uh, you know, anti-Semitism that he was doing when he was younger. What they call a Jugendsünde. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's entirely laughable then too that then as well that this country uh, will also then go and then in this moment, Oh well, you know that was just you know that like this 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 is this just is an imported sit- problem. Yeah, you know, exactly. This is, this is uh, this is shifting the whole narrative to basically anti-Semitism is due to uh, migration, Islam, migration, yeah. uh, Muslims in Germany as basically like taking the blame blame and responsibility for anti-Semitism that Germany has and putting it on other people. Yeah, and, and I think like in addition to the stuff like we spoke to earlier with with why Germany supports Israel the way it does, I think another part of this that we have to keep in mind is like, you know, even before all this, there was there's been a crazy upswing of xenophobia um, in the last few months and um, a crazy shift of like all of the parties of the center towards uh, towards like dismantling human rights for for um, for migrants and asylum seekers. And I think this whole imported anti-Semitism narrative um, and like anti-anti-Zionism uh, that goes on in Germany is is like a, a bridge between like from through the from the far right to the center right to the center and the and, and most of the left really that legitimizes the curtailing of uh, of human rights in that way. So we think we have to, to notice that this has like a much broader context and there are interests behind this that have absolutely nothing to do with protecting Jewish life and absolutely everything to do with keeping uh, Germany white and uh, and preventing it from, you know, upholding its its commitments to human rights. Yeah. Um, we were we were um, shortly talking about cultural and leftist spaces and their positioning in, in this whole like um, yeah, war situation. Um, it's interesting to see, or actually it's sad, it's very sad to see in the cultural landscape of Germany that you have a lot of peop- um, a lot of spaces uh, putting out a statement or cancelling plays, like Maxim Gorky Theatre lately cancelling a play of an Austrian-Israeli writer that, um, that is about, <clears throat> that is with a very international ensemble, you have Arab-speaking uh, people, it's in, well, it's in, <clears throat> sorry, my, my, voice um you have uh, israelis you have arab speaking people you have um german speaking people in the play and it was supposed to basically be about an integration class in neukölln and they all meet again with the geopolitical background and now have to basically learn german together yeah this is a play and maxim gorky theater decided to cancel this play and put a statement out and saying war chooses um war um makes us choose a side basically and yeah and and that being then um, their statement and and the action they take is canceling this play that is basically about a dialogue and about like living together and about what Neukölln also is um is 
in my opinion, outrageous. Same as uh, Frankfurter Buchmesse canceling a ceremony for um, for a uh, she is Palestinian as well. Yeah, the yeah, writer, yeah for a Palestinian writer. writer, exactly. And you've been to Frankfurter Buchmesse. Um, do you care sharing a bit about? Um, yeah. What you've seen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, It I mean, was but yeah, it's outrageous. Like, Jijek like obviously got booed. I think that we talked about that as well in a different episode, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and and the like the sense. So I I I work for a, I I work like I was I was handing out newspapers, and people were getting very upset with like just mad that it wasn't like the headline wasn't a direct pretty much quote from the Israeli government. And like people came up and called us like anti-Semites multiple times and stuff like that because we were reporting the news of just like stuff that was happening in Gaza and they weren't having it. They were like, how can you how can you give?" it was pretty much giving a platform to the sense of just reporting the atrocities that are happening as a whole and being labeled then as an anti-Semitic publication. It was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. I mean, I didn't take any of it to heart. I didn't like personally write any of the articles. I was just helping out handing out things and it it was it was truly it was truly um people like had it as their like personal goal of that day to like go and like start shit about this it was it was a very it was a very uncomfortable um environment and how also too that then the buchmesse itself kind of took a official position towards the um uh, uh towards you know uh uh the 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 ongoings in Israel and Palestine uh, really made it even more uncomfortable that then some international publications took offense to it and started like posting um, signs at their like uh, some leftist like a leftist publication out of France La Fabrique posted a thing um, you know condemning the decision of the Frankfurter Buchmesse of course but then also condemning you know the genocide that is happening in Gaza. And um, a lot of these signs were left up in the international area, but I did not see any in like the German dominant sections. I don't know if people put up their things because they were giving them around like the people from Verso and the people from La Fabrique were going around and like kind of handing them out to lefties. But either no one was willing to even like start that you know, shitstorm as Germans yeah, would love they saying. Are, they are going to say it's too complicated. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or it was like a sense that then it's like, you know, they're the, yeah, exactly. They're going to come from it being like, well, you know, like we can't like, it's a complex situation. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was a very, very, very uncomfortable situation, but kind of seeing then like the dominance then of the German narrative upfront like that with people then wanting to engage with you was, 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 was truly, um, Uh, it was it was it was truly upsetting to say the least. There were a lot of people, of course, who came up too and were very happy that we were reporting the news as it was. But there were a few interactions that were really just like, just not not nice, you know. But I mean, to be fair, it's like those were luckily only like a few. But still, the fact that there is this general notion within Germany, either than like the fear from leftists to take a stand, and also then the kind of weird willingness of people to then like make it as their personal struggle and I, I again i don't know what these people's you know personal backgrounds is to the situation but still regardless that then that it's like simply for reporting the news um that you were then taken as then supporting quote-unquote like terrorist propaganda in this country is 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 mind-boggling <laughs> like it, it really is it feels like you're on a different planet sometimes 
Yeah, that's that's exactly the feeling that led us to calling the podcast Parallelwelt Palestina. Yeah, um, it, it is it is it is it is a perfect title for for exactly <laughs> this topic. Um, but what you're saying just kind of like brings me to the to the other story that I want to to retell from Leipzig, which I think is also very um, interesting and, and kind of shocking, honestly, because of like, like I think there's something really interesting here where like the the priority seems to be cancellation and shutting down of of discussion rather than enabling any kind of like space to to, to figure things out even. Um, and so another thing that happened this week was on Tuesday there was a. Uh, a plenary session of the student parliament in Leipzig, the Stura in the university. And there was a proposal brought there by um, a couple of like pro-Israel activists uh, who I think consider themselves leftists, weirdly, um, that called to, it, was, it didn't start with like a positioning, there was no positioning yet of the Stura on, on the war or, or the massacres, as far as I know. Um and th- this proposal also did not start with any kind of like clear positioning or like what you call Einordnung, so like putting things into some kind of order. Um, but instead, it was just like there are authoritarian anti-Semitic groups making themselves uh, comfortable at the university and we have to clamp down on this. And then it goes on to accuse, I think, about 13 different uh, groups and organizations of very different kinds, some of them student groups, some of them not university related, accusing them of either supporting terrorism or minimizing it or uh, justifying it um, or of working with groups that do one of those things. And this list included uh, the SDS, which is the student uh, group of the the left party, which I was involved in as a student. Um, It included uh, the only Palestinian group um, in Leipzig, included a series of communist and migrant groups, mostly not active at the university. Um, it included the Kritische Einführungswochen, so like these critical orientation weeks, um, which in Leipzig have been like a very like broad left spectrum of, uh, of groups involved. Um, but there was a split uh, this year also around, around I think, similar things or inclu- the topics including Israel-Palestine, but not only. And it also shockingly included my group of Israelis, Yid. Um, which was accused of of uh, minimizing uh, terrorism, I think, because of one quote a member uh, of our group gave to a newspaper saying saying, and you know, there's I think there's different ways to maybe criticize this uh, thing that my dear friend said um, that uh, after the dehumanization that people in Gaza have experienced, some of them um, commit inhuman acts, and that was that was their proof that uh, Yid as a group uh, supports terrorism or something, and um, so a bunch of uh, uh, the groups involved uh, organized to fight back against this because it's it's also, it's really dangerous. Like you got, you got to say like making that kind of accusation publicly in Germany right now could like have real consequences for all the people involved. Um, and this is directed mostly against migrants and against the left groups in Leipzig that work with migrants because anti-Deutsch groups are notoriously white. Um, and. What ended up happening was pretty intense. We, had, we like a lot of us came to this uh, debate. I did this and like I came back to Leipzig to like tie up loose ends for my move, and I went in the evening to this plenum. We had a two and a half hour debate, um, and in the end, uh, the Stura rejected this proposal and uh, adopted a proposal that SDS brought with a very kind of like mild, both sidesy, but like you know, consensus, like acceptable to consensus uh, positioning on, on the war and a call to encourage debate. So this was pretty incredible that that succeeded, um, but it could have gone the other way. I think if, if 
the groups involved um, did not catch wind of this and come to defend themselves. This could have just kind of been waved through because it seems like such an easy thing to just like ban a few groups from the university um, as a response to what's uh, to what's happening. And and now I've seen that like some of the people behind this uh, banning proposal are now like calling the position that was adopted um, a Trojan horse of, of anti-Zionism, even though this is like a, the proposal says like, you know, like explicitly says like that we need to fight anti-Semitism and, and protect like um, uh, Jews and also fight uh, racism, and protect, uh, um, you know, the, the, the migrant groups um, that are affected by uh, the current situation. Um, and the discourse is just like so disconnected from reality and 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 there's like a real lack of any kind of connection to progressive groups in israel palestine it's all just like we are in favor of the state of israel we are against the palestinian groups and like we don't really see any kind of difference there okay i want i would i would like yeah sorry Um, okay i would like to um since we're talking about this already and groups etc i would like to uh, maybe put the focus a bit on on berlin neukölln Uh, i am from neukölln i live in neukölln etc uh, You're not ex- from Neukölln. I'm not from. I lived there for <laughs> ten years. I'm from Neukölln. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm friends with everyone. <laughs> uh, you are the queen of Neukölln in my eyes. So Thank yes. You. Um, okay. No, but um, yeah, as a neighborhood that has a lot of uh, diversity, that has a lot of uh, a big uh, Palestinian community as well. Um, uh, we've seen some changes in the neighborhood lately in the sense of uh, cops everywhere, basically. Police presence. <laughs> what? You know, just a change in the neighborhood. Cops. Police state. Yeah, police state. <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, this is an example I would like to talk a bit more about, like, actually also the, the repression um, uh, activists in organizing uh, organizations are experiencing right now due to this climate in Germany and due to Germany's uh, stance on 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 Israel um, because I, I think we all have seen the videos we have seen uh, people just being arrested in Neukölln for wearing a kafir, um for saying free Palestine for having a Palestinian flag we've heard about all the protests that are banned um, stopped even if they were organized with the Jüdische Bund or um, with, um, yeah, with uh, with also leftist uh, Israeli or Jewish groups um, together, um, hand in hand, basically with Palestine Speaks, etc. Um, a lot of them being banned last minute, uh, probably uh, for strategic reasons, in anticipation that people would still show up and you can arrest people, you can make arrests, you can... Uh, beat some people up some protesters up because like banning something last also but also to um to make it impossible for them to file a complaint against the ban of the protest um and yeah the, this has been the situation in Neukölln I, there are sirens every day there are spontaneous protest actions at Zon Ali mostly um there have been like um, um, virtues um, with candles, and there's a video of a cop just like um, stepping on the candles, putting out the lights, etc. Basically, t- taking the space of people that are mourning, that are protesting for the right to speak up against the atrocities that are committed in Gaza against their people or in solidarity with people in Gaza. 
yeah, that's what I would want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just a manifestation, basically, of Germany's stance uh, that it has uh, in regards to um, Israel-Palestine. Uh, And it's something I've seen before, not in this dimension, <clears throat> but um, I've seen it when it come, came to Kurdish protests. It, I've seen uh, similarities there when it came to um, basically uh, protests against uh, Turkey's attack on Afrin, on Rojava, etc. Yeah. I've seen similarities there when people tried to come out with um, any kind of flag, Kurdish flags, etc., that um, there were a lot of arrests, a lot of bans. I'm, I'm just saying uh, I've seen basically um, what the German state is capable of when it comes to um, these kind of protests. And you don't see this kind of police reactions or state reactions when it comes to, I don't know, COVID denier protests, your local Nazi protests. Yeah, I mean, it was exactly what Lena said at the beginning yeah, exactly. of, of the episode, yeah. that then it is like, you know... The, like the state is is blind in its right eye and that's very true i guess in this regard and that a lot of these protests you know a lot of these these groups have connections i, I mean there is like um at least in the sense of some of these things there is like a left-wing connection to some of them but i mean it really is like the palestinian one is very much a just a, a it, it seems like an in an excuse for uh germany to do the racism that that it likes doing and there has been a um, as as Michael mentioned earlier, just an a overall acceptance from pretty much most parties in Parliament or in the in the Bundestag of a general acceptance of this type of you know xenophobia, anti Arab sentiment, Islamophobia, because and then it also begs to question uh, to be, it also begs to ask the question currently with the the rise of the right in Germany is that then how is this type of rhetoric gonna affect the um, AFD that is doing quite well because a lot of times I feel in the sense that then when this rhetoric gets popularized a lot of people in other countries have looked to then for example um, you know in Italy it's like well you know we've been voting for these governments that have been doing like kind of right-wing-ish stuff for a while it's like why not just go the whole way you know when it comes to migratory policy stuff like that um, that type of politic has worked very well for a lot of other right-wing parties in Europe who have taken a much further right-wing stance or who have just come up as being a right-wing party. You know, the CDU has then now tried this rhetoric as well. Um, With their four-step um, plan that they have about migration. Yeah, but at the same time, too, is that that's not really blocking people, the AFD yeah, from no, doing really yeah. well these last few elections. And stripping people of their citizenship if they... Mm -hmm. basically are um, charged with anti-Semitism, what now actually has been uh, like become uh, a very broad term in the sense when it comes to police and actually uh, police action against what they call anti-Semitism. It's basically already saying something like, uh, I mean, there there have been like motions saying like, oh, free Palestine, you can't say it because it it, um, it doesn't mean the liberation of Palestinian people. It means freeing... Palestina and the Israel uh, and Israel from Israel, basically. Yeah, yeah, Jews. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and there is yeah, there is there is this this um, I guess in the sense too is that then my like my one question just in general is how long can this type of of 
Like, how long can this keep going? The longer that then that they like like um, that this conflict keeps going on, you know, because normally these little these 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 things in Israel and Palestine and the in the and the the protest in Germany happens within you know it's a few week period. It it seems to um, you know the position of Germany obviously never changes. Um, there are you know actions that then happen, but overall, like these are these are these are smaller. Um, acts of violence that then happen between Israel and Palestine. This time around, it doesn't look to be the case. Um, how do we see then, I guess, then this type of, of, of at least in your guys' perspective, like this type of, of, of state mechanism to like continue? Because it doesn't seem like it actually, like due to its very rigidness, seems to like kind of already, at least in some corners, not, you know, functioning as well. I mean, just in the simple sense of that, then I've been seeing in publications that have had more prominent anti-Deutsch stances now actually having to kind of go back and not necessarily like retract any statements. They would never do that, but change their position a little bit of, of, of the reporting because it's very clear into the sense that um, this is not as one-sided as, as, as they were led to be. I mean, a great example, I think, has been like Tats, a publication that then has been very, like, like has a pretty standard pro-Israel stance, um, has had a few more self-reflective moments, I would say, in the past couple of weeks of like, oh, okay, yeah, we maybe need to like also address the issue of racism that we're seeing, the sense of that then these um, atrocities that are happening are affecting civilian lives, this and that, and that there are, there needs to be room for Palestinian voices. I was surprised in that regard. Um, what do you guys, I guess, kind of have as your experience within that? Is there like a potential of these, 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 these relations breaking, not, not in like breaking down, but like for criticism to come to be more seen the longer this goes, or is Germany going to keep clamping down harder and harder and harder? I think Germany is going to clamp down harder and harder. I don't see, I I don't have much optimism right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I wish I could tell you everything's going to be fine and Germans and the, the media and who not are all going to come to their senses and they're going to realize that if, if it starts with the Palestinians, um, you know, it's it's going to go over to other marginalized groups. And at the end of the day, you know, the, it's also going to affect me as a woman. You know, it's it's always makes these rounds from marginal, the most marginalized communities to other marginalized communities and the very um, the, the, the sort of behavior by the police is going to be copy pasted onto other contexts that are going to rise in the future whether that's going to be more radical, I would say, uh, I mean, radical as in maybe not as the accepted mainstream Black Lives Matter kind of position where everybody was so happy to come out on the streets and kind of showcase their activism within their otherwise very non-political life because it was socially accepted. Um, I just don't think that there has already been this sort of switch being flipped that people actually understand of what's happening. I mean, again, so many aspects. Number one, we need to start the very basics to educate people about Palestine and Israel. Number two, we need to start at the very basics to make them understand that there is clear racism going on and it is not about 
um, safeguarding Jewish or Israeli lives here. Uh, number three is also to make them understand that what's happening right now in terms of repression is going to widen. It's going to widen. It's going to spread. And I think just while I'm on the podcast, I'm also keeping an eye on Twitter. And I just saw that some German authors, um, I, I couldn't read through the list of who they were, signed a statement um, sort of, uh, again, denouncing, condemning Hamas, Israel has the right to defend itself, Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East. These are like this sort of like, I, it is so tiring. I feel like a tape recorder, and I'm pretty sure Michael feels the same, of constantly rehashing the very same basic principles over and over again, and that we can't even um, continue the discussion on another level of where it comes to what does repression actually mean? What does racism actually mean? How can we overcome this? Because we actually have to take 10 million steps back to start at the very basics of, guys, Israel is not a democracy and definitely not the only democracy in the Middle East. If we, if we have to discuss that point, if I have to discuss with from the Green Party, um, a minister that is, that, that, that is there for, for sort of like the, the Near East, Middle East affairs, um, and I have to discuss with her that no, Hamas is not responsible or, uh, or complicit in the killing of um, Palestinians in the West Bank by Israeli settlers and soldiers since October 7th. If I have to start there, then I, I'm just not very optimistic. And, and I think a big part of what we're seeing is that like on the basis of this like longstanding distortion of how people talk and think about about Israel Palestine in Germany like there you know forces of 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 the right and conservatism are just are just like using this opportunity to like really like shut down the opposition like i think that's also what what the, the story i described in Leipzig i think is that is just like conservative forces shutting down um any any space of opposition and i think we see that much more broadly right now like there's just an opportunity to to weaponize this discourse to to make it impossible to resist and um, and because of that I'm also not very optimistic. Uh, I, it is important to say though that like there's always been a big gap in Germany between like general public opinion versus like the you know the, the people who are in the media and in politics um, where like there's always been a firm majority that sees uh, Israel as in the wrong. Now, I'm sure a part of that is just like uh, uh, like prejudice against Jewish people, a part of that. But uh, obviously, you know, people are complex and they have different different reasons for thinking things and it can't be reduced to that. And, and there's also just a general problem when you have a population that is not, that has, an, that has views that are not given any kind of legitimate space, you know, whether that's the, the um, you know, German Germans, white Germans, or um, or Palestinians in Germany, and other and other um, migrant groups that are um, you know that identify with the Palestinians, like they're gonna find one way or another to to express this, and if it's not being allowed in um, in a, a legitimate like kind of uh, you know kind of mainstream way, and if if there's no space for that on the left, then, you know, some of them will end up uh, going to other places with this. And and I think, you know, that could mean some people get driven to more like, I don't know, like revolutionary left positions. Um, But I think some will end up just, you know, joining reactionary groups that present themselves as revolutionary. 
and um, it's it's a it's a scary situation. I I appreciate the honesty from both of you because um, I, I I mean, yeah, I I, I do generally. Um, like as I mentioned earlier uh, in in the show, when we started, that this this kind of situation definitely has 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 not only just left me at a, a lot of times just at a loss for words of how this is handled here in this country, but also just in like, um, yeah, like very uh, just uh, 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 you know demotivational just in general with trying to like. Um, breakthrough, even just in the sense of having a, a a a countering opinion as an individual, let alone then trying to then uh, do anything about it, or you know try to then you know uh, you know counteract the 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 you know either with the media or the state's position on this issue, and the just the, the insane brute force that the German state wishes to then maintain this um, ideological dominance of their position of it is really just, it's, it's incredibly unsettling. And I think it's also just, I mean, it's, it's fair to admit the sense that it is like, there is no way that there, there are times where you don't want to like, look at this in, you know, like rose colored glasses or, you know, or anything of that, uh, of, you know, anything to, uh, you know, like, like euphemistically, uh, 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 change the situation for you because it really does feel bleak right now. And I really, I mean, first off, I do appreciate you guys coming on the show and giving your um, quite sobering either opinions or situations of that that have happened um, either regards of your past activism or the past, uh, you know, three weeks now, um, because I know this is not a, a easy topic to talk about. And um, as I've also um one last question that I guess I would like to ask both of you is then um, something that then um, I think should be important for everyone is like how to kind of navigate these events. It doesn't even matter if you're in Germany or outside of Germany, but um, and kind of like keep, um, you know, some sanity, you know, and not to, you know, completely just lose yourself within all the, the, the horrors that are happening um, in Gaza and also the horrible reactions that then that we're seeing within Germany and, and Europe and such like that. Um, what are, I guess, like, you know, I think, I think one of the, like, not in a sense of like anything in terms of like, Oh, you know, optimism, this and that and that, but, um, also to, not in the sense of turn your phone off and yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just also in the sense of like, you know, kind of keeping some level of sanity, but also then, you know, not like, you know, to, to, um, you know, not not to like discount the fact as well, too, of that. Then it's like it's not that like you don't, um, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just kind of like not wanting to give up either, I guess, is also kind of the uh, the the um, the, uh, 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 you know, things I, 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 I want to, uh, you know, address, too, because uh, I believe one of your guests from the episode that you did a couple of weeks ago um really kind of pointed out something that I thought was was very interesting that it's like you know like that it doesn't like um that we kind of get pulled into our phones pulled into social media that then in order to show that we care we have to constantly be informed about it and that um you know how is like a healthy way to go about this in a way of like still kind of in, in your guys' opinions because it is really hard for at least me 
to kind of, you know, give myself time to like collect my thoughts and whatnot, because it is so horrible, you know, and it is so, um, you know, encompassing of, I think, a lot of our um, lives and discussions, especially amongst the groups and the people that then we're with. Uh, especially for the people that are affected. I mean, there yeah. are a lot of Palestinians here that are watching all of this also on their phones and on TV. I've talked to someone whose parents are in Gaza. They like barely have contact. Now probably no contact anymore because there is no internet, there is no electricity, there is nothing left. Yeah. And some people just learn about the news or the death of family members through TV and through media, through identifying someone on social media. It's yeah horrible. I think I think like you you said not in the sense of turning off your phone, but I think like there is I think it is important because we're not over there. There's not a lot we can do directly. It is important to kind of try not to be constantly just wallowing in the flow of information and to take like, you know, intentionally time to process it in your head. I think otherwise it's really hard to, you know, to, to even just make it through this psychologically. Um, and I don't know, I find it hard to give any kind of positive or optimistic note right now. Things are extremely bleak um, and scary. I think it is just noteworthy. That there are still people directly affected who are saying like this, you know, we, like th there's another way and you know i think it's important to to listen to those voices and keep those in mind and and like support people there who are who are you know now you know trying to 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 plot out another another way forward but um especially being far away from there and not being able to like do anything that is directly relevant to anyone living there it's like I don't really know what there what there is to do except pay attention to the people around you and see how you can you know be there for them at least and and see what they need. I don't know, Lena. Maybe you have a better take. No, not not really. I I think just accepting that this is a very horrible situation at the moment. That when I talk to my Palestinian friends and we're literally just on the phone, I don't know what to say. I also tell them. Um, I also tell them that there are no words in our language to describe the horrors of what we live through and what we see. Um, and that might be good because we as humans shouldn't have to live through something like this. This is so inhumane. It's so the extreme extremities of humanity that I think it's very normal that everybody feels so overwhelmed and has so many different feelings um, inside of them and just accepting that this is abnormal, that this is not the sort of future you want to have or you wish for other people. Um, join an activist group if you can. Doesn't mean you have to go there 24 seven, but even if it just means that you connect with them once over tea or beer or drink, and just talk so you feel that you're connected, you're not the only one. I think especially in Germany, and I do feel this massively here, it can be very, um, can be very, I, how do you say that? Isolation. Isol isolating. Isolating, that's the word <laughs> that I'm looking for. Isolating because you're surrounded by a media that doesn't care. You're surrounded by politicians that don't care. You go on the streets and you see people mostly not caring, um, that it is so important to just connect 
on a face-to-face level with others and just be like, man, you're, you're not alone. Um, and these are horrible times. But also make it very clear to yourself of what are your own goals here? What's the future you want to fight for that is worth fighting for? And how do you want to do that? What What is your contribution or what can be your contribution to it? Is it maybe that you don't have time, but you, you have a well-paying job? Oh, great. Donate. Um, there are many organizations, you know, obviously no aid is coming into Gaza now. The West Bank still needs help. Palestinians still need help. Our podcast needs help, right? The, the, <laughs> the European uh, legal campaigns supporting Palestinians need help. If you have a bit of a spare moment, I don't know, just placate your city with pictures of those diseases in Gaza and give them some sort of humanity back. Um, write to your ministers in your state, write to your, um, write to your city town, city council. There are so many things that you can do, but it also requires you to not be isolated from it and connect with others. I think these are my two cents on it. I, I want to really reinforce what Lena's saying just about like finding a group uh, that is doing something also because that's a, that's a framework in which you can process this stuff in a way that makes sense. If you're just sitting in front of your feed and just like reading horrible things and seeing horrible takes, like the, the best you can do is put out a slightly better take and then eat shit for it. Like this is, this is not an effective way to engage with the situation. I think social media is not the place to be right now. Um, it's kind of a default for a lot of us. It is, it is for me too, but like, I think it's much, much more effective to find a group that is trying to do something and get in a conversation with people who have a similar outlook to you and want to try to do something. Because that's that's a framework in which you can process this into something that is more than just, you know, horror or like moralizing and saying, like, you're bad, you're bad, they're good. You know, that that doesn't really help anyone. Um, But if you want to just like, yeah, stay sane through this, I think find people that you can really talk about this stuff with in depth and figure out what the little is that you can do from where you are. Yeah. I think that's a great place to end our discussion. Um, I really, um, again, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, I appreciate the sobering honesty of the situation. I feel that then that there are some times that we just need to accept that stuff's bad. You know, yeah. and it's it's okay to feel yeah. the way that you do about stuff being bad because it, as you mentioned, it's a completely human reaction to feel helplessness or to feel these, these you know, horrible, complex emotions when horrible things like this are happening um, um, in, is, uh, in, in Israel, Palestine, um, and in, um, you know, just the sense of how, how our reactions in the West are, are fueling it. So yeah, it is. Um, it is. It is okay, I guess, to to accept. I don't want to say defeat, but to just accept that this is a horrible situation. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Then that there is no. Oh well, you know, yeah, if you just think hard enough, it'll be different. Yeah. You know, that's not the case. So I really do appreciate you guys coming on and um, taking on this very heavy and emotional topic. I know that you guys have been affected by this as well. So I um, I appreciate it. Drained by it. And yeah, uh, oh, absolutely. A lot for yeah, doing this also this morning. And, yeah. yeah. No, um, thanks wait, for having us. That's, yeah, it was really f- fun despite everything. Yeah, fun and yeah. complete marks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever that should mean. Thank you. Should put that in your tagline. The yeah. fun, fun podcast. podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
know what I meant. Yeah. That, you know, it's like the standard sentence that you say at the end of like, hey, this is really fun. And then I thought, no, that's that's no. not the way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. But um, where can our listeners find you? And uh, do you guys have anything? I, first off, I guess, do you guys have anything uh, to promote, announce? And where can our listeners find you? Man, at this point, they can find us on Instagram, on Spotify. So actually to listen to the podcast, it's called Parallel Welt Palestina. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. We're also on Instagram. We're mostly active on there. And you can write us little cute messages of love and how great we are. And um, then Twitter, we've also got an email address. It's called parallelweltpalestina at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, that's what we got to promote. I think at this point is honestly to spread the word. If you want to support us financially at this point, we're, we're taking care of everything ourselves. So that comes out of our own pockets. Um, you can donate to us. Um, you can also write us, write us an email about it and I give you directions. Um, so these are the only things. And at this point, I think I'm just, I don't even know what to promote anymore. I think. I, I don't really want to, I'm not over-exaggerating when I say that for a lot of us, this is our generational Iraq war moment. At least that's what it feels like for a very lot of people, especially in the global South or those affected by it. So, so I don't even know what else to say right now. I think I'm still so shocked. I had very little sleep with the whole blackout on Gaza and atrocities that are just gonna come out over the course and span of the day um but yeah so that's 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 all i gotta say at the moment i don't have much to add i think you can find both of us like individually through through our podcast uh profiles and like i haven't been able to write since this started which is normally how i deal with things um but i think there are some things i wrote especially in german in the last couple years that could be helpful for the framing um so you, you can probably find that pretty easily through through social media um, just to like, to see where this was like, where the, what the groundwork was for the crazy German debate right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thank you guys once again for coming on. Um, we, uh, over on our side, don't have anything to promote. I think of any announcements or anything of that sort. Uh, I, uh, there was a link that we had for donations, uh, to help, um, I believe, I think it was. I need to. I need to it, ask uh, Kieran again. Okay. Uh, but we 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 put a link in our uh, Patreon episode. I believe it was donations to the West Bank or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Kieran Kieran knows more about this stuff than I do. But we had a donation link in the in the in the in the in the the Patreon episode. Mm-hmm. We'll have the same one uh, as well to for this episode of if you want to help uh, the people uh, who are being affected this directly in Palestine. If you're in Berlin, there is a big protest on the 4th of November. It's co-organized as far as I know by Palestine Speaks and uh, Judischer Bund. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you see the posters all around Neukölln already. So yeah, if you're in Berlin, there's a Come place along. To go. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we will then see you guys all next week then. And once again, thank you guys for coming on. And uh, take care. And we'll see you there for the uh, main episode next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye.